Today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, Europe is adding a small visitor's fee in 2023. There's an update on Yellowstone, and a new Broadway musical is coming, featuring the music of Neil Diamond. In your smarter... In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, we take you on an imaginary shopping trip for airline tickets. Are the ultra-low fare carriers like Spirit and Frontier really cheaper, or does it just look that way? First, there were travel agents who morphed into travel advisors, and now we have travel coaches. What's the difference? Meet a travel coach at 335. What are the best and worst airports to fly out of this summer? We have some updated numbers to share with you at 350. The summer travel season is in full swing. We'll keep you updated today on the latest edition of The Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on. Welcome, welcome everyone. It must be Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock because it's time for another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys with Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Uh, Good afternoon, Mark. Glad to have you not here on a Sunday afternoon because <laughs> you're not here because we were, were on tape. And Isn't it amazing that people can hear us, I almost said see us, uh, can hear us just like we're actually here, but we're actually not. Actually, it's it's Sunday, and this morning we took the O Dark 100 flight to Portland, and I'm off on an adventure down the Oregon coast with... Uh, carousels and covered bridges and three nights in Newport. So it's going to be a pretty... In Newport, just to give you an idea, Tom, the the weather when we're supposed to be there this week, the high temperatures in Newport, 64, 60, 59. So it's like... Leaving Sacramento, you have to tell people to bring a jacket, which seems kind of counterintuitive at this point, but it is true. Yeah, you're going to be staying at the uh, St. Elizabeth Beeth uh, Inn and Suites. That's that's very good. Your your memory is good. Elizabeth Street Inn in Newport. Yeah, that's we've been going there for a million years. If you're ever going on the Oregon coast and you want a great hotel. Uh, that has every room has a full-on view of the ocean, and a block away you can walk down to the beach. It's pretty cool, the Elizabeth Street Inn in, in Newport. I, I'm, I'm impressed that you would remember that. Well, that's because I've been there. And it's, uh, you know, something, a trip like that, uh, kind of tracking where sports leisure vacationers go. We did that, uh, you know, and we also went down the coast and did some uh, dune buggying in the sands. It's a great it's a great place. Are you guys going to do the dune buggy bus? No, that's when we go all the way down the coast. We we save that one. But we're going to go out uh, on the cruise in Newport Harbor, which is one of the uh, the folks that do that. It's one of the best boat cruises in terms of educational they drop crab pots and they do all kinds of things to teach you about the things around the harbor and of course there's a wonderful aquarium in newport up in tillamook there's 
oh, there's this place called the Blue Heron Cheese Company that we'll stop at for lunch. And then if you really know your Tillamook, you know that there's a place you don't go to the actual cheese factory, but there's a place called the Smoker where they sell discounted beef jerky and cheese and all kinds of cool stuff. So we're, 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 we'll be doing pretty good, I think. We're going to have a tour and have lunch on a covered bridge. And so uh, we'll be back next Friday just in time for the, to kick back for the holiday weekend. <laughs> well, all right. You guys have a great time. We, we could do a whole – we have in the past, do a whole show yeah. on Oregon. All right. Uh, we are the Travel Guys. So don't forget TravelGuysRadio.com for links to our special guests and more can be found there. And at the top of every Travel Guys Radio program, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with the latest travel news, once again, here's Mark. Europe has announced that they're going to add a visitor's fee in May of 2023. When I saw that headline, I thought, oh, my God, there goes 50 bucks out the window. But no, not quite so much. Uh, It's actually about $7. They're going to start next year. The U.S. has this same sort of fee for people. People who who enter from visa waiver nations, and basically they're 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 trying to cover the costs of administration of getting you into the country. So it's it's not as onerous as I originally thought. But oh joy, another fee. This one only <laughs> only part of a of a resort fee for a night, but still it's it's out there. We told you a few months ago that Spirit Airlines, that Frontier Airlines wanted to buy Spirit Airlines, two of the same type of carriers. Seemed like a fairly good match. Um, we would eliminate one airline that sells bare bones, and mm-hmm. instead of two of them, there'd only be one of them. And then JetBlue stepped up and said, "Well, you know, hey, we'd like to maybe buy Spirit," and they made some great offers. And Spirit said, "Yeah, we think we'll still go with Frontier." This week, JetBlue sweetened the offer again. So it remains to be seen if Spirit will still stick with Frontier or if at some point JetBlue would woo them away. I've said this before. I can't imagine why JetBlue Airlines would want anything to do with Spirit Airlines. JetBlue for a long time sort of kind of prided themselves on being a little better than the rest of the guys. I don't know if that's still the case, but at least at, at least they're... There's a little bit of difference there for folks who will fly to New York on a red eye or, you know, it, it's it's a good little airline. So anyway, I, it's we'll see what happens. We'll keep you posted. Um, airlines are saying that delays and cancellations this summer are the fault of the FAA. Um, airlines for America, which is the trade group for U.S. carriers, whenever you see their name on something, you know that there is – not any objectivity whatsoever in the information that you're receiving. Um, it's coming from the airlines, and they're just saying that if it wasn't for the FAA screwing up the airports and not having enough help this summer, none of this would be happening. In this case, the airlines have a little bit of a valid complaint. It is true that like many other entities on the planet right now, the FAA is also operating, in some cases, control towers with fewer than the capacity of controllers that they would need to be able to service all the aircraft. So that is having some bearing on delays. The airlines, of course, are trying to cut down on the number of flights that they're operating. We have a story later on um, where we'll talk about uh, some of the airports that are doing well and some that are not doing well in case you are traveling this summer. If you're on the not doing well list, it'll tell you that you need to 
take a little more time. Carnival Corporation says they're seeing the best quarter for bookings since the pandemic began. That's on one side of the street. On the other side of the street is the headline that says Carnival would says it would consider selling some of its assets. Um, that always is a, a a question for folks, especially when you see that Carnival lost one point eight billion. That's billion with a B dollars in the quarter that ended on May the thirty first. So, on one hand, Carnival says bookings are good. On the other hand, they're like, hey, psst, come over here. Want to buy a cruise ship? Cheap. Um, so anyways, that's what's going on with Carnival. American Airlines announced this week they're going to end service to four cities in September, citing the pilot shortage. If you live or travel to Islip, Islip, Ithaca, New York, Toledo, Ohio, or Dubuque, Iowa, you will no longer be able to use American Airlines to get there. If you're flying to Dubuque, Iowa, since American was their only carrier... Um, you'll have to walk from someplace close by. <laughs> All of those airports, by the way, are served by um, other airports that are within 100 miles. Southwest wants you to know they're changing its in-flight experiences for next year. Five things that are coming. In-seat USB chargers. Yay for Southwest, especially since they're flying a lot of long hauls now to Hawaii and stuff like that. There's no way to charge anything on a Southwest airplane, uh, along with... With the USB charging, they're going to expand their in-flight entertainment. They're going to do stronger Wi-Fi. I will tell you, having flown um, southwest back and forth to Hawaii a month or so ago, um, I was able to get Wi-Fi service all the way in both directions with no issues for 8 bucks. so that was pretty cool. Southwest is expanding their overhead bin space. They're putting in new overhead bins that will hold more. And, oh, joy, they're adding more alcohol options. <laughs> <laughs> hard seltzer and other alcohol. Op- yeah, it's it's hard to believe after all they've been through that the airlines would at this point brag about adding alcohol options. But anyways, did you fly the uh, Yellowstone? Did, did yeah, you go ahead, Tom? Yeah. Did you fly the Max 8 when you flew to Hawaii? Do you remember which uh, Southwest it was? It's the Max 8, but it's the Max 9. That's the one they had the problems with. Right. But the 8 probably had the better Wi-Fi. The 8 is the one that, yes, that we flew Uh, Both ways, to and from Hawaii. Yellowstone says that flooding rebuilding is going to take years, cost billions of dollars. A lot of those roads and things that were washed away are going to have to be rebuilt from scratch. Uh, There's, I'm sure, going to be a lot of discussion about environmental issues and the like. For now, the bottom south part of Yellowstone has reopened. So if you had – take a look at the map. If you have planned a Yellowstone vacation, uh, some of the hotels and places inside the park are open to visitors and some are not. So as we often say here, if you've got a trip headed for Yellowstone, do your homework. It has been announced that a brand-new Broadway musical will premiere this fall. They're in pre-production. It's going to be called A Beautiful Noise, the the Neil Diamond Musical. Will feature all whole bunch, about two dozen songs from the singer's 60-year catalog, outline his career in early life. Uh, Cracklin' Rosie, Song Sung Blue, America Cherry Cherry, You Don't Bring Me Flowers. I will just think that if that is any good, it will probably be one of the hottest tickets on Broadway when it opens. Hugh Jackman and the Music Man is still the hottest ticket and the most expensive ticket currently on Broadway. And that's your travel news for today. As always, we are the Travel and Entertainment Guys. That's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Again, uh, links to our special guests at TravelGuysRadio.com. 
we got a super one coming up after the news. We're going to talk with a gal who is a, uh, a travel coach. You're going to find out what that is and what she does. I think you'll enjoy it. But in the meantime, all right, Mark, let's talk about uh, let's go shopping. Let's go shopping. Well- Let's do. We've talked about uh, I'm not a huge fan of the ultra low fare airlines. Frontier and Spirit would fit into that category. Southwest would be a level up and then Delta American United, et cetera. JetBlue would be Alaska would be a level up from that. Um, The difference is, of course, in some cases like Spirit and Frontier, you buy a ticket and then you're expected to buy everything else. After that, your seat assignment, your whether you want to bring a carry-on, you want to uh, check a bag, all that stuff, you pay for all that stuff additionally. Uh, my bottom line to all of this, and I think uh, you'll see this over the next 8 to 10 minutes here, is that the ultra-low-cost carriers are a good deal if you are willing to get on the plane, sit in any seat, ideally it'll be a middle seat, um, not carry, just carry a small bag with you that will go under your seat, and you're not putting anything in the overhead. You're not checking a bag. You're just traveling ultra light. These carriers are a great deal if you're willing to put up with that kind of of situation. And also because they don't fly as often to many destinations, there the connections and stuff are not going to be as good as we'll explain here. But nonetheless, there is a place for them in the market. But if you are a regular traveler who oftentimes carries a bag, stuff something in the overhead and stuff, you will see that these ultra-low-cost carriers are not as low-cost as you might have thought. I did two cost comparisons, Tom. Okay. I compared a round trip to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. which is a uh, an airport that Spirit serves three times a day. It's kind of sort of a hub for them. They call it a focus airport. And I did... Uh, round trip on Southwest, which goes seven times a day. And is Spirit uh, is nonstop? Spirit is nonstop, yes. Okay, we're talking and, about a nonstop for uh, both of these comparisons. That's exactly right. So okay. it's it's sort of apples to apples. I use the same dates. I picked two dates in October, uh, departing on a Thursday, returning on a Monday. So those Thursday and Monday are kind of sort of fairly neutral days. Um, Friday and Sunday are the busiest days of the week. Monday and Thursday kind of fall in the middle. Um, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are the cheapest. So I pick kind of the middle dates. A Southwest round trip on the date on these dates was $239. Now that allows you, remember, um, Southwest is open seating. So you get on the plane and you take a seat. If you have a C boarding pass, you're probably going to end up in a middle seat, especially if you're traveling by yourself. An A, B boarding pass, you probably have a a few more choices on board. Southwest, remember, allows you to check two bags for free. Now, currently, on most airlines, bags are are check bags of $35. So that's as much as $70 worth each direction. But let's assume that you're checking one bag. And that you have something that you want to put in the overhead bin. So on Southwest, you make a few clicks, you choose the flight, and here's the price, and bingo, you're done. If you're going Spirit or Frontier Airlines, our comparisons today will be on Spirit, but Frontier is almost identical. Um, If you go to Spirit Airlines, you're going to find that to go to Las Vegas is only $43 each way. That's 86 bucks. Now, I, I just told you that Southwest was $239, and Spirit on the same days, comparable times, are is $78. Well, 86 if you're not part of their club. Mm-hmm. I'll explain that in a minute. But, but, 
That means you can't carry anything on the plane other than that little kind of laptop bag that you have, not a full-size backpack or anything like that. Uh, you can't. You don't get to pick your seat, so you're going to be one of the last people on the plane. Um, you're, 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 that's, that $86 round trip kind of comes, it's almost a penalty. Now, if you want to grab a bundle of stuff from Spirit that includes a seat and a checked bag and putting something in the overhead, your itinerary jumps up to $223. Okay. So, so how much, how much extra for a, a carry-on bag that you put in the overhead. Well, it, it, or you that's, don't have, it's complicated, too. It doesn't um, itemize? You can, you can buy this bundle from bundle. them that includes all of these things, mm-hmm. or you can pick them out. Your first check bag is to Las Vegas, for example, would be $30. A carry-on bag would be 36 So if you had those two things, it would be $66. Well, you can, you can bundle and board early and get a couple of other little advantages for only slightly more than that. If you want to pay $30 more to Spirit, which would make your airfare 253 then you can take you can spirit limits your bags to 40 pounds whereas southwest and the other carriers are 50 pounds so spirit will give you those 10 extra pounds if you'll pay them a little more money and they'll tell you that you can change your flight once for free if you pay them that little more money so it but you don't get that second checked bag so if you've got two checked bags you're now going to have to pay spirit an extra 30 bucks plus the bundle and so here's my point. If you're flying and you're doing some minimalist stuff, in this case, Spirit with a checked bag and an overhead is still $16 cheaper than Southwest. So I I guess you could argue their legroom isn't as good as Southwest. I guess you could argue that it's comparable, reasonably comparable. Southwest goes seven times a day. Spirit goes three times a day. So the chances if your flight gets canceled of you being able to get on a Southwest flight and get home are pretty good. Spirit flight, not so much. Southwest also flies to all the L.A. airports from Las Vegas, so that will give you an opportunity to be able to – it gives you more ways to get home if something goes wrong. So those are fairly comparable. I also did one to New Orleans, same dates. Um, Neither Southwest nor Spirit flies nonstop to New Orleans. The Southwest fare was $712. The Spirit Fair, on the other hand, was $447. That's with one checked bag, et cetera, et cetera. Caveat here. In order to come home on Spirit, if you don't want to make at least two stops, which I wouldn't recommend, you have to do an overnighter. So you have to fly to Las Vegas, wait until the 6 o'clock flight the following morning, and come home. So it's a couple hundred dollars cheaper on Spirit, but... You've got that long layover and the overnight flight. Now, if you want to just kind of go piecemeal on Spirit, you can do that. But if with a carry-on bag or a checked bag, know that the, if you wait until you get to the airport or wait until you get to the gate to check these things, it costs incrementally more, quite a bit more. Um, also, same thing with reserving a seat or something like that. So on Spirit, if you don't buy it right in the beginning – then the cost is going to go up pretty dramatically. I also compared United Airlines on the New Orleans flight because that's something that United does. Um, their fare was $860. So that's $150 more than than Southwest. And keep in mind, with United, that includes no check luggage. You get a seat assignment. You get uh, to put something in the overhead on the plane. But if you want to check a bag or two, those are $35 a piece. So that $860 from United 
um, is quite a bit more expensive than Southwest. So bottom line to all of this, if you're flying and you're taking a minimal amount of luggage um, and you can, you're willing to sit in any seat or, depending on the destination, in some cases, buying from one of these ultra-low-cost carriers, the bundle that includes a bag or something like that, can still be competitive. They are particularly competitive with the full-service airlines. But with Southwest and their free baggage, if you have a lot of baggage, Southwest is probably the better deal. And also something to really keep in mind here, with Spirit and Frontier, they don't fly to every destination every day of the week. They don't fly as often as many of the other carriers. Uh, So if something goes wrong and you don't get out when you're supposed to or you miss a connection, it could get really ugly for you really fast with some of those carriers. But there are some situations where those ultra-low-cost carriers are the best. All right. Great report, Mark. Thank you. I think that will help people out a lot when uh, shopping for low fares. You heard it right here on The Travel Guys. Hi there, it's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano. We are the Travel and Entertainment Guys every week, 3 o'clock here on KFBK. And uh, don't forget now, links to our special guests and all at TravelGuysRadio.com. Mark, you found us another very, very interesting uh, guest for the program in travel to make people smarter. Uh, Tell us who we have and what we're going to talk about. I think so. I think so, Tom. This is something that has has become in vogue more recently. I think probably COVID has made this more important, especially as crowded as things are, as many people who are traveling. Um, everybody is reaching for the same for the same straw when they're out there traveling. So it's good. We talk a lot on this program about homework and about being willing to be flexible right now as a lot of people are traveling. So this is somebody who can help you with your homework and make sure that your that your homework is is targeted in the right way. Our guest is Sahara Rose. She is a wellness travel coach and consultant. Sahara, welcome to the Travel Guys. Hi guys, thank you so much for having me. It's truly a pleasure. I've I've heard for a while now about travel coaches and when the information on your services and stuff came along and I read a little bit more about it, I thought yeah, this this lady really she gets it. She she knows what she's doing. So tell us first of all, what is a travel coach, and maybe a little bit of how that is different from a travel advisor who books your vacation for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you kind of nailed uh, hit the nail on the head there, where you're saying the travel coaching has really been blossoming over uh, the past few years, especially because of the pandemic. And, uh, but when any industry grows, there, there tends to be a variety of definitions out there. And that's something I'm seeing more and more in the industry now of travel coaching, but I run the travel coach network. And so within the world of travel coaching and the network, uh, travel coach is someone who helps clients set intentions for their trip. So really getting to those underlying motives for why you're craving to get away. Where is that need for uh, a freedom lifestyle? Where is that need for escapism? Where does that need to just go to a beach and relax? Where is that coming from? Because what we find in travel is that when people are able to identify where this underlying motivation for for traveling comes from, they can make better decisions on where to go, what to do, 
uh, what kind of activities to experience, who to go with, how long to go for, all those answers become more clear. And therefore, we have the feelings, the outcomes, the transformations, the end results that we we're hoping to have when returning home from a trip. So in a nutshell, that's really what a travel coach does. And it stretches far beyond the booking and planning process. So Sahara, what you're really trying to do is find the real reason that people are going. There's always superfluous reasons. It's a great destination, et cetera. If they've been there before, they may have a, a specific reason for going back. But even if they haven't been there before, they may have a specific reason for going. Your title is wellness travel coach. So that word wellness wouldn't be in there unless you had a specific reason. Yeah, yeah. So I myself as a travel coach, I specialize in well-being for travelers. In particular, my angle is for corporate travel, business travel. Um, And when I talk about wellness, I don't talk about the traditional sense of wellness travel. If you were to Google wellness travel, a myriad of wellness centers and hotels with spas and yoga retreats would pop up. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I talk about wellness, It's a more holistic approach because when we think about travel in the first place, everyone travels for some sort of wellness reasoning, whether it's to even build a connection with their loved ones, whether it's to heal from a traumatic uh, life event, to de-stress from an overworked schedule. You know, all of that goes under the umbrella of well-being, whether it's spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, and beyond. And... Uh, Like I said, I I focus more just in the corporate world, but we're seeing words like transformative travel and um, wellness travel and meaningful travel all being reshaped and redefined as we move forward in the the travel industry. Sahara, uh, why don't you, uh, with theater of the mind here for our radio listeners, uh, give us a typical client of yours, as we might imagine, and tell us, uh, you know, as, as specific as you can get, what you do for that particular client. What's it like? What do you, you know, walk us through that? Yeah. Yeah, well, I structured my wellness travel coaching and consulting business, like I said, for the corporate world. So, for an example, I work more with travel managers and their travel programs to help support their business travelers because there was a growing epidemic, just like corporate burnout, there was a burnout epidemic among business travelers or people who travel consistently for business. And when it comes to how can we integrate more of a, a wellness activities throughout their trip, even if it's just a, a couple days on a trip that they're going for business. So the type of information that I give is all based on research that's been conducted over years and years by reputable sources out there. So, for example, um, Blue Health Project came out with studies talking about the benefits of blue spaces on our mental well-being. So blue spaces meaning spending time near bodies of water, so ocean, seaside, uh, ponds, rivers, streams, whatever it might be, and how that has shown to help decrease stress levels, lower anxiety levels. Balance is, is really what it's about. Sahara, give us an idea. What do your services cost? Within the Travel Coach Network, there's a whole community of travel coaches who work with individuals. So they could do private sessions, group coaching sessions. The prices really range depending on what it is. Um, I know I do offer some private sessions through um, business and leisure apps that I've partnered with, and that could be anywhere around $100 a session for an hour. 
travel coaching can be integrated into any work that a travel agent does. So it is just adding an added service to how they already work with and attract and enhance their marketing and relationships with their clients too. Travel coaching is a whole new set of opportunities depending on who your ideal clients are. We're talking with Sahara Rose. Sahara is a wellness travel coach and consultant. If you go to if you're interested in what she has to offer or as she mentions her work is mostly with business and corporate clients, if you're an individual traveler and you're looking for somebody who might uh, be able to help you with that, we will list not only Sahara's uh, website but also the Travel Coach Networks website at travelguysradio.com. Sahara, before we let you go, is there anything that we haven't talked about here that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think we covered a a good uh, overview of travel coaching. Just if anyone is ever interested in learning more about travel coaching to visit the Travel Coach Network, um, I do run the Travel Coach Certification Program as well, or if there's any corporations looking to integrate it into their corporate wellness programs or tourism boards and destination and their marketing as well, uh, you can also message me at or find me at sahararosetravels.com. If you go to the Travel Coach Network, if this is something that you think that you would like to do, be a travel coach, that sounds like you you have a program for helping people become certified in that area. Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. It's the... Uh, it's accredited through the International Coach Federation and it's the world's only certification program for international travel coaches. Excellent, excellent. Sahara, thank you so much for your time here today on The Travel Guys. A new aspect of things that maybe you hadn't thought about, particularly if you're a really busy business traveler, Sahara may be able to help you. Or if you're just somebody who's looking to enhance your leisure travel, why she has someone in her network who can help. Travelguysradio.com. You can find links to both of those websites. Sahara, thanks again for your time today. Thank you so much, guys. You know, fascinating choice of occupations. I think that, you know, if you if you like travel and you like working with people and maybe you just don't want to be a travel agent, this travel coaching thing is sort of con- inclusive, is a little different. Uh you know, I find that fascinating. I would <laughs> I would look into doing that, and I would imagine that's something that you could do quite easily, uh, even if you were somewhat semi-retired. I think you have to, first of all, you've got to know a lot about travel. Um, and the next thing you know is you've got to know a lot about people. I, I remember going to a Marriott Hotel on Maui a number of years ago. And I was with another staff member, and we were checking things out, and we had an afternoon free, so we went down by the pool. And the staff member made the observation after we'd been there for about 15 minutes. He says, oh, this is the pretty people's pool. And I said, he said, this is the L.A. pool. I said, how can you tell? He said, well, just look around the, the, the pool. He says, look at all the people. He says, they're just trying to be pretty for each other. They're they're." They're not out at the pool. They're out. It's a social event going to this pool. And damned if he wasn't right. Um, So I kind of sort of see this travel coaching thing as a little bit of a spinoff. It would really help a lot of those pool people who the highlight of their trip was going out and looking pretty at the pool. There were lots of other places to look pretty that they probably would have enjoyed, but they didn't bother to do the homework or check on it. And now with the cost of hotels and resort areas, my goodness, you you. You know, I mean, it's great if that's what you want to do is just go there and, and lay around and relax. But if, if you want to really enjoy the place, I see a lot of people, Tom, who go to resort areas, Hawaii, San Diego, um, Canadian Rockies, 
places like that and they go and they don't realize what there is to do until they get there. And in many cases, especially this year, then they can't get what they want. So their vacation isn't everything it could have been. And I'm thinking that's where these travel coach people come in if they really, but it's the same as a travel advisor. If, if, if you have a travel advisor who knows their stuff, then they're probably worth every penny that you pay them. And if they don't know their stuff, they're probably not worth a flush. You know, so, I mean, it really comes down to finding, I think, in this situation, you want somebody who really knows what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. You know, a, a trip to Vegas or a shot at Disneyland, I'm on my own. But, uh, you know, for the extended Bahamas and beyond, uh, might be worth looking into. All right. What's next, Mark, on the Travel Guys for our final segment? For the final segment, we uh, the, the statistics are in for the best and worst airports for May and the first half of June. And we're going to tell you what for some of the biggest airports in the country, which are the best and which are the worst. And also a big tip on with all the flight delays and cancellations, there is one thing that you really should do. And as promised, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about airports. The good ones, the bad ones, who's on time, who's not. Mark, uh, what, yeah. have, what have you rounded up for us here? Well, there's probably not a good answer to um, – we've got some airports where their on-time record is good and their on-time record is bad for the first part of the summer. That doesn't necessarily mean that that will hold for the rest of the year, but it's a red flag if you're going to one of these places. By the way, I also promised, before we get into the airports individually themselves – um, this is one thing that you really need to do, If even if you're an infrequent traveler. I don't care what your age is. Um, you need to get the airline's app on your phone uh, before you start traveling. There's a lot of reasons for this, but the most important reason probably is with all the delays and cancellations, if you've got that app before you ever leave the house, you know, you can check and see. If you're, an air, if you're a flight out... Um, at 5.45 in the morning to Portland, then uh, you sure as heck don't want to get up, get dressed, and go all the way to the airport only to find out that your flight has been canceled or is pushed back for an hour and a half and you could have been sleeping. So if you've got that app, you can check that. In many cases, it'll show you where your flight is coming from with some airlines, but most flights that are leaving early in the morning are on the ground the night before. So if your plane didn't get here... We have an old rule in the travel industry. If the plane didn't arrive, it cannot depart. I mean, it seems kind of stupid and (laughs) and simplistic, but there's a lot of truth to that. If your plane didn't get here, it doesn't matter when it's supposed to leave. It's Unless they steal the plane from somebody else, it's not going. So the app is really the one tool that will make the biggest difference for you. Plus, right at your fingertips now, You've got the ability to see what other flights are might be available if something happens and your flight is delayed, or heaven forbid if it's canceled. Also, the airline in many cases um, will rebook you on something if they can see that you're going to misconnect. So you can see what they've already done, and you may not have to stand in a line, get on the phone, and wait for a long time, etc. It may be right there, or they may say to you, here's what we've chosen for you. If you want something else, here's what's available. Now, once again, you've avoided all of those lines and all that lack of customer service. So really put that app on your phone. You said something that, um, and we've talked about this before, and it's it's always a, kind of a, I don't know, 
good thing, bad thing. You 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 got your app. You check. You find out that your your flight is delayed by an hour and a half, two hours. Mm-hmm. You're home. You're thirty five, forty minutes from the airport, from where you live. Do you take the risk of not being at uh, at the airport in case that in that hour and a half delay that they rebook you and you might be taking off sooner and then you're not there to, to take off. So, you know, uh, I can see if it's been canceled, you're finding out right away, you don't have to go out. But we talked about the rule that even if your flight has been delayed, you should try your best to perhaps be at the airport, somewhere close to when it was supposed to have taken off originally. Things can change. If your flight shows delayed five or six hours before you're supposed to leave, um, then, yeah, I suggest that you check on it a couple hours before you're supposed to leave. And um, in, in many cases, like I said, the airlines have the ability to show you, especially on the app now or their website, where the plane is coming from, so you can see that the plane is in the air and it's not there yet, um, or it's still at a previous airport, so that makes it a little easier. Yes, there is always the remote possibility that they swap planes or something like that, and now your flight is departing on time instead of departing late. So, yes, you're correct there. But I would suggest that if it's the first flight of the day, Mm -hmm. then that's a plane that's either on the ground overnight or it isn't. It's not coming from anywhere else. It's either been sitting there for eight or ten hours cooling off waiting for you, or it isn't. Now there's always the possibility of mechanicals or uh, something at the airport you're going to. Maybe there's a delay so your flight can't leave on time. But by and large, um, if you take that first flight out in the morning, you're going to have fewer delays, and it will be easier to recognize those delays in advance. But, yes, you point out, rightfully so, that if your flight is delayed and you decide not to go to the airport because of that delay and be there at the at the scheduled time, something could happen and the flight could go on time. And then, yes, you'd be in a pickle. We are the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom, and we uh, promised we would talk about the best and the worst airports to fly out of this summer. Mark, uh, tell us the numbers. Everybody's got a list. And in this case... Um, some two lists conflict with each other. First list is first forty-five days of the summer. If you count May as being part of the summer, I do. Um, the, here are the airports that have done the best: Minneapolis, St. Paul, Detroit, Atlanta, Salt Lake City. This is kind of interesting. What do those four of the top five airports? And we're talking about fewest cancellations and most on-time flights, fewest delays. First 45 days of the summer. Those four airports are all Delta Airlines hub airports. So that, to me, is tells me that Delta has got their act a little better together than some of the other carriers. Remember, now, the airport is different from the airline. But in general, if an airline dominates an airport and it's either running well or not running well, it generally has something to do with that airline. The fifth airport that's doing well is really a mystery because it's San Francisco. Wow. I can't ever remember San Francisco ever being on a list of <laughs> on-time airports, ever. But for the first part of the summer, they've had very few cancellations, and they haven't had been hit with a lot of delays either. So San Francisco is there. Worst airports for the summer so far. Newark, 
which is just a catastrophe no matter what. I mean, it's just a it's a user unfriendly place. It's got a lot of dark corridors and it's hard to find things and avoid Newark if you possibly can. Denver, which used to be always the airport that was on time, but not so much now. And if you're flying United, we've mentioned this before, in and out of Denver, United has now has gates on three concourses in Denver, A, B, and C. They used to all be on B. So now if you're flying United, you've got a 50-minute layover, you may have to take a train and change concourses. That's where that app comes in handy. Because now you hit the ground running, and probably you've got the app so the plane, your, your phone beeps you when you land and says you're landing at this gate, you're going to this gate, this is how long it's going to take you to get there. Fort Lauderdale and Orlando are on the not-so-good list. I'm guessing that has to do with weather, probably, thunderstorms and the thunder, summer thunderstorms. Wait till the hurricanes kick in. And Las Vegas. Las Vegas just has too many flights. Um, that's their problem. Uh, they, they generally don't have weather issues there, but too many flights. Sometimes wind will cause them to slow down, but that's those are the, the, the airports that are on the not-so-good list. Newark, which has been there forever, Denver, which is new, Lauderdale, uh, Orlando, and Las Vegas. Now, there's another list out saying, here are the airports to avoid over the 4th of July weekend. They will have the most volume. <laughs> and interestingly enough, Atlanta and San Francisco, which are on our good list, are also on that bad list for 4th of July. So if your recent record tells what you're, what, what, what's going to happen in the next few weeks, then those guys are probably going to weather the storm pretty well. But if you're flying out of a big airport in the summertime, I can just tell you that there are a lot of things that are going on. If you've got that O Dark Hundred flight that's way up and early in the morning, uh, you got to get out of bed, and it ruins that whole first day. But the one thing is the airport is likely to be a little bit calmer. So yeah. uh, keep that in mind. If you're flying at the middle of the day or the end of the day, that's when you've really got to keep a track of of your flight and also know that getting to the airport, what happens once you're at the airport, may take a little bit longer than it usually did. And especially if you have to park at the airport, flying out at the end of the day, may in, you may end up a little bit further, have a little bit longer walk, a little longer wait for a shuttle bus, etc. All right. By the way, if you missed any of that and you'd like to hear it again, it'll be on the podcast at TravelGuysRadio.com. There's a place there where you can sign up for alerts as to when the podcasts are posted following the Sunday show. So you can get your hands on it, uh, download it, and then you can go back and uh, revisit some of Mark's uh, comments and suggestions to help make you a smarter traveler. Well, uh, just about a wrap for uh, this Sunday, Mark. Uh, you did a heck of a job seeing that you're really not here. <laughs> We, as we mentioned at the beginning, yes, I am with a group of travelers, uh, hopefully going down to, on our way to Astoria, Oregon, as you listen to this, on what is going to be an unusually hot day in Oregon. All right, watch your language. That's a wrap for the uh, for another adventure of the Travel Guys, my friends. You stay well. Mark, final word. Remember, dance like nobody's watching.